0: The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, your strategic and proactive IT partner. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Business Podcast. Today I am with Matt Gould of ARIA NLG. He is the Chief Strategy Officer. Welcome along, Matt.
1: Thank you. Very nice to be here now
0: i 'm keen to hear what is your connection with New Zealand because you 're not a you 're not a
1: kiwi at heart. How dare you <laughs> How dare you Of course i 'm a kiwi at heart. I live here uh, my dad's a kiwi I grew up in London though I was born in London grew up there uh, but uh, the family moved out to Auckland when I was 14, 15 years old, went to Maclean's College in Bucklands Beach, and um, have been traveling the world ever since, moved back here about six years ago, uh, because I have three sons now, and they can't grow up in London or Sydney or Los Angeles, because they just wreck it. So we've, we've moved to the wide open spaces back here in New Zealand and love it. Okay, maybe, mm. maybe we can, maybe
0: we can, can I, may yeah, I you tick tick t- t- the box, tick. I mean... Yeah, my family tried to do that. They 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 were all born uh, all foreigners, um, born in the UK, and they right. seem to call themselves Kiwis. And uh, you know, they've conveniently moved out here before
1: I was born. But um, you know, we, we sort of accept those. They types. Ma- they made the right choice. It's funny though when you grow up in London and your father's a Kiwi, you you go to All Blacks games. And not the big ones, you know, when the All Blacks play, people like the London Irish or so on. And you you, you go to holidays in New Zealand every couple of years, if you're lucky. And your crazy Kiwi cousins come over and want to hang out. So you actually get quite a sense of being a diaspora community when you've got Kiwi parents in London. Then when you come back here and realize it's actually completely different and uh, you're just a pom. There's a lot of adjustments. A lot of adjustments to make. You know, good. citizens of the world. That's what we are.
0: Yeah. Yep. And it and it's a good way to be. So, yeah. um, when was it that you uh, that you left left New Zealand? You, you know, studied here at school. Where where did you Where did you do your tertiary
1: education and, and so on? Yes, yeah, so I did. I uh, went to university at uh, the University of Canterbury in Christchurch and I studied theology and philosophy and English literature and all of those very useful uh, subjects and degrees. And then uh, I, I worked a bit in radio and then um, worked with a Daily Mail group around the world it was my first real job, working with what was uh, a magazine business then, set up uh, publications, in uh, the city of london aimed at the finance markets and then in hong kong and then in new york spent a few years just traveling around with the daily mail group doing two weeks in each one of those centers for three years and uh then decided to do an mba came back and did that at the university of otago and uh decided to make uh new zealand my home then and then uh it took off after a little while, after doing the MBA again, for a life in tech, and spent many years with Hewlett Packard, first in Sydney and then in the USA where I ended up as the uh, Chief Strategy Officer for the Americas that's, and led... That's led quite interesting. Yeah. I don't come across was. too many people who have,
0: who have had strategy in their title, but when I, when I went through your CV, yeah. uh, you've had strategy in your title for well, well over a decade with Hewlett-Packard and, and
1: so on. It um, became quite hip. Okay, <laughs> in the mid noughties It became quite hip to talk about strategy. What The, the focus really was with, with with the mega corporates, with people like IBM and HP and so on, um, and Compaq, was if you're in strategy, that meant that you're in M&A. So you were looking at the new tech, the new business, and organizing it into the mothership. So you're working out what was going to be a hit, what wasn't, how to improve a business, turn it um, from you know an average performer into a stellar performer, that was the remit you had. Which is what every business
0: leader should be doing, right?
1: In, that should be your thinking. In, in, right. And now it's just become the standard string in in the harp. You've all got to be strategists, like everybody's got to be a salesman, like everyone's got to be a financer, yeah. So, uh, but it's still an important part of the business, and, and I use that title just to demarcate myself from the real talent of the business, which is the scientists and the engineers. You know, I have no pretense. <laughs> they're, they're the real brains of the operation. The strategists just get to work out how to commercialize their intellectual property
0: and so yeah how did you how did you navigate through that 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 journey and and why did you choose to make the particular moves that that you made you know you you had that time with the daily mail uh, that sounded pretty pretty interesting, although obviously the media has gone through so many changes and and continues to do so. What was it like at that time
1: yeah, it was interesting the one of the themes that 's carried through is uh People and talent surviving whatever breakup of the old institutions, commercial institutions or otherwise, uh, uh, is going on. So what I was doing with the Daily Mail group was working with the City of London to initially, you know, the financial hub of, uh, of the UK to bring in talent. So we had magazines that were focused on finding the best uh, young potential traders and finances and, and hooking them into jp morgan and goldman sachs and salomon brothers back then and oh, lehman brothers where are they now <laughs> getting that talent in and that very quickly became uh, an internet challenge so the publications that we launched on uh, as physical publications soon became digital publications and what that meant was that for uh, for chances like myself, young folk who weren't part of the old institution was that we can game it. So so here's an example. So, <laughs> the Daily Mail group was then and, and still is uh, largely owned by a gentleman called uh, Lord Rothermere, and he personally sponsored the, the magazines that I, I pitched to him. And uh, he said, right, Gould, don't, don't trust you really, but I'll, I'll give your magazine a go. Well, this newfangled internet version of it as well. We'll let that go, but it's got to be, uh, you know, I'm not paying you much. I'm going to pay you on page yield. He said, page yield. So I said, what's page yield? Well, page yield, of course, is, as you probably know, is the advertising divided by the number of pages in the publication. And so I asked him, I said, well, you know, what's your average yield per page? It was uh, 2,000 pounds was the best they'd ever done. So I went out and said, right, I'm going to have a 24-page book. And I went to the uh, the uh, big banks in London. I said, to get in my book, it's £8,000 a page. And all it took was one to eventually say yes. And uh, then we had, the, in, in its first year, we had the highest page yield of any publication in the Daily Mail group. Just do the maths. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so... We, that was very successful and then he said the next year he said right I'm not going to charge you on on. I'm not going to pay for you on page yield you cheeky sod. I'm going to pay, pay it on margin per page and so of course in printing the biggest margin was the print costs and uh, it was all offset print and it was the beginning of the digital age so I said fine and we took we laid up the whole magazine we put it on a hard drive which was a big thing back then it was a uh, a 500-meg hard drive that's the size of a you know, shoe box. and um, we took it to Hong Kong and gave it to some digital printers in Hong Kong. This would have been 1998. Unheard of. And they could print our whole magazines for a tenth the cost of an offset in Cambridge in the UK where they were traditionally done. So, boom, the next year we had <laughs> the most margin-rich... Um, <laughs> Uh, publications and Lord Rothermere, bless his soul, he's he's not there now. But uh, he gave up after that and just paid us a normal salary. <laughs> so he worked out that we were going to game it every time these young whippersnappers. So uh, that's how that started, and it became both a print and um, they were called the casebooks. They became both print and online systems, and they were they were quite successful. Uh, late nineties, early two thousands and then went into the corporates with, with, with big tech. Uh, but still people-focused as opposed to focused on the tin. Yeah.
0: Yep. So so tell us about about that um, within the world of Hewlett-Packard.
1: Well, HP was, uh, for a while there, the biggest uh, technology company in the world. Of course, they, it was HP and Compaq, and they took them on and then EDS and so on. And what was interesting for someone with my background then I mean, the, the tech itself is very interesting. That the big server farms, the the you know deck, uh, the, you know, from punch cards through to uh, network attached storage. It was all, it was all interesting, but it was the first time that media had really intersected in a big way with technology companies. And this was a revolution that that maybe uh, y- your listeners might not be so familiar with in business was. We're used to the stories of the digitization of Fleet Street and and how offset printing went away and uh, the newsrooms collapsed down to a few journalists and um, uh, a few sub-editors working on digital systems. The same happened in uh, other media industries, and I was part of that. So my big clients with HP... After the first couple of years were News Corp globally and uh, Disney and DreamWorks and so on and ABC. And that was a fascinating change. What you were seeing there was these groups of engineers, uh, just to take one example... To do a satellite digital TV broadcast used to take five or six different boxes in a server farm, each with its own resident software, each doing a different thing. So think, think of Sky. Um, think of a usual broadcast. There are uh, the key line boxes that generate the... Organisation of the screen. There are the closed caption boxes, whole different systems that ensure that closed captioning is happening. There's the advertising boxes that are organizing a dis- different stream of advertising for uh, different um, broadcast and broadcasters in Philadelphia, in Australia and in-, in New Zealand. There are the color registration, the HT- HD boxes, all different boxes coming together, having to be syncopated, time-coded, And then realized out huge amounts of labor, huge amounts of infrastructure cost, huge amounts of complexity. Well, while I was there, most of that went away. So what used to take a big server farm and hundreds of different boxes and and lots of different expert knowledge could suddenly all be done with software. One box, one pizza box, one DL380 as it was then, the most popular server, running a whole channel for broadcast out dramatically changed the uh, cost profile of every kind of broadcasting and uh, emancipated uh, engineers to go and do other things. When they weren't losing their job, they were going to do other things in other parts of the business, innovated, better for the consumer, better for the business, um, better choice, um, more content. Within a year. That happened within a year. So it, it was a stark revolution. So that was of interest to me you know, uh as a as a philosophy major who fi- finds themselves in technology, it's those big picture stories that become fascinating.
0: And yeah. and I think that, that sets um you know, I guess it's a good picture in terms of the future because we we know that there's so much more coming in terms of technology, in terms of uh, automation, yeah. um, artificial intelligence, and so on. So there's um, there's a lot coming, and it's uh, I guess it's nice to have uh, to have been through some of those things and and seen how in each situation they don't you know leave everyone unemployed and uh, you know too much in terms of uh, you know blood around the place and so on.
1: Yeah, well, I mean those sorts of revolutions have been happening since the the late 18th century right i mean people throwing clogs uh, in the looms and there are there are parts of society that are are disenfranchised and lose out but usually the net good is there and yeah you know, if you talk to someone whose life was yellow pages now it's not there anymore, right? That's happened right, right here. If you're a Yellow Pages salesperson, you're probably not active. There were some good years, but it's gone, right? Uh, Yellow Pages t- still, still exists. Well, it still exists. It's, 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 there. still, it's, it's still a, There's still a business, but it's, yeah, it's a fraction yeah, of what it was, right? Yeah, right? right, and, yeah, and it's yeah, realized absolutely. in a different dimension and different yeah. different domain. But these aren't changes. They've gone on to do other bigger and better things. The, the, the revolution, I think, that's happening now that folk are a bit spooked about and which maybe we're, in in my current role with ARIA, we're a maybe different voice on to a lot of commentators, is the AI revolution, is this notion of artificial intelligence. That seems to uh, have a fair number of folk, many of them champions of of techdom right now, from uh, Stephen Hawking through to uh, Elon Musk to... uh, um, what many others' they're saying beware the machine, beware artificial intelligence the the uh, the robots are coming, or that it's something we 've got to talk about in a deep way, and I think that's right, but for business people. There are practical benefits to AI that are being realised right now. There are boons happening. There are whole new industries being born right here in New Zealand that are AI industries, that are software industries, that are going to give huge opportunities to us and our kids And uh, that I think New Zealand, in particular, is uniquely positioned, and New Zealand's business community is uniquely positioned to take advantage of.
0: Yeah, I think it's a key that we keep our, uh, you know, keep a a strategic view of these things. We keep our finger on the pulse with what's Mm. happening, what's going to happen. Um, There will be a huge amount of disruption to come that that artificial intelligence is going to uh, is going to bring. I'm sure of it. Um, but there's also an opportunity to do well out of it and not to uh, uh, you know not to be a, 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 you know too left in too bad a state but to be on the other the other side of the coin right
1: exactly yeah. you're spot on well, yeah. well let's jam a bit let me ask you if i say artificial intelligence what leaps to mind um
0: I, I guess there's um, certain certain movies and uh, right. you know doors closing right. and things things like that. Open um, the pod bay door <laughs> yeah. house sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so you know there are there are those there are those aspects. Um, but look, I I'd, I'd be keen to hear uh, you know your perspectives on it because this is what you live and breathe. And actually, uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff that's possible right now. So right. Maybe, maybe you can uh, you can jump in and, and, and share some
1: of that. Well, all right. So, so the 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 idea for me, we, so AI is anything from uh, driverless cars to uh, Siri on your on your iPhone to to whatever to whatever. It's it's all around us, and um, there's a view heightened by Hollywood about uh, artificial intelligence being with the singularity sensible in and of itself. So an intelligence that's silicon-based or is apart from humanity, yet for what we do at ARIA, which is around um, language and communicating with machines and the internet via the most natural of human communication mediums, language, what we're doing now, um, AI is about people, is about making your wisdom your intelligence your experience your expertise artificial allowing your sensibilities to exist outside of yourself and there's a trick to that and it's it's language based and it's um it's very natural. So that's why we talk at ARIA, my current company, about natural language generation. That's what we do. So just to give you some idea of what, what we do, we allow uh, experts to embody their expertise into a system and then for a system to talk to you as though you're an expert. So here's the, the buzz phrase. No intelligence, no expertise can be conveyed without language no expertise can be conveyed without language now what do you mean i'll give you an example think of you visiting a loved one in hospital parent a child this is a true story about parent or child you go into a hospital room there's your kid in an incubator or on a bed in the icu and they're plugged into machines heaven forbid right but there they are there's a blood ox monitor. There's a heart monitor. There's a, uh, there's there's cords and wires everywhere. No one else is in the room but you and your loved one. On the end of the bed, or on the end of the incubator, is a chart, a chart with numbers on it, a stack of bits of paper with readouts from the machine. Just or the machine, data, just data, the data, yeah. and charts and pictures. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I, I've there. been through something right. you know, some
0: similar to this recently. Right. My, right. my mum's recently passed away, um, yeah, that, and we, you know, we've been through that process of right. sort of there being bits and pieces of information but not really understanding the, the, the full story and you have to engage with a person to try and fill in that information exactly. which, which, which varies
1: exactly. Until, unless you're a doctor or a nurse yourself until the expert comes in the room that data that's sitting right there is dumb to you all the answers to all of the questions you've got are in that data how are they? What's gonna happen? Um, how have they been? How are they going to be? What should we expect next? Is there. But until the expert comes in, there are the doctors on us, and that, that expert may have had no interaction with your loved one before, they can come in, they can look at that data, and they can make sense of it for you. They've they've been trained to interpret the data and convey it in a way that you understand, and they convey it with language. They might point to the chart and say, Look here, there's been a mild cardiac infraction, everything's okay. Well, we've given the proxim sodium, I mean Hypoprofen, I mean, neurofin, at O200, <laughs> yeah. right? They'll translate it for you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They've had a, a syst- systolic infraction. They had a bit of a heart murmur. Got a bit dicky ticker at O200. They'll put it into language that you understand. So our system does that. Our system does that. It, it doesn't replace the doctor or a nurse, but it takes the data in the hospital's case from the patient, and we've looked at and talked to Lots of nurses, lots of doctors, and said how how do you how do you convey what's going on in this data?" They've told us, and we teach our machine, which we call the natural language generating platform. We teach our AI to respond in that way. So it writes the doctor's reports in doctores for the doctor, it writes the nurses' reports in nurses for the nurse, and it it writes to to the loved ones in a way that, that you can understand Same. Data, different audiences, in a way that uh, supports the process, and and okay, I'm sorry about your mum, by the way.
0: Yeah, I guess it's um, it's one of those realities that uh, we all have to, to we all have to deal with. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, hearing about this and where the technology fits in, yes. um, I wonder how that process. It could have been different in a different time in terms of the technology When the time when we were asking different questions, the time when um, the GP said, oh, you know, Carol has had a, had a stroke. She never had a stroke, but, you know, the, the, you know you're, you're, we're reliant on having the right person at the right time involved. Now, right. obviously there's some potential around where we go with artificial intelligence to draw in on expertise that the person in the room might not at that stage might not have.
1: I think you, you're spot on. So what we're not saying is replacing doctors. What we're not saying is you you want you, you want the best human face on the medical advice when you're going through whatever natural life experience you're going through with with your loved ones. But it's time. It's the. T- have you got the right doctor at the right place saying the right things in the right way? Wonderful health service here, nine times out of 10, yes, but why should we have to become amateur uh, specialists ourselves? You know, why should we have to Spend hours googling and, and trying to make sense of stuff, and, and asking and, for that short five-minute window when the specialist is in the room during their hours. Have I got it. all the information out?
0: And we do, right? We, we spend do. that time yeah. on Google. We're we're yeah. trying to find yeah, out. Right. We're right. trying to have more, you know, more information because yes. we're not always given yes. enough.
1: Yes, and uh, and look, medicine is an extreme example. We'll get, we'll get on to where it's it's maybe a little less fraught with nuance uh, in, in business, but but the idea is the same. If if the if the system knows, and it does, the answers are in the data. Why shouldn't you? With with all the caveats of, of control and care and release of information appropriately, and so on. But why shouldn't you have access to that expertise when you want it, when you need it, in a way that makes that interaction uh, uh, reduces the stress, improves the the outcome for for you and for the patient? Right. That's that's what we're trying to do now. In business, we do the same thing uh, it's uh, uh, but it's it's somewhat less emotional I guess it's around a health check of your business right so if you 've got all of these systems plugged into your business and they 're looking at um, the sales performance, the balance sheet, the credit history Product and flow, stock on hand, all of these these things that the ERP system, the CRM system, the expense system, the accounting packages—Zero, Sage, SAP, Siebel, NetSuite, whatever it is—are yeah. looking at your business. In some ways, they're the equivalent of the diagnostics in the in the ICU, right? They're looking at the health of your business. Yet, to get that inside out, you've got to wait for Gary the accountant to do his his dashboards and and do his weekly presentation on what's happening and from a strategic point of view you've got to wait for someone to distill it down especially if it's a complex business well even a small business can be complex to understand what's going on or the accountant to pop by once a month and say look your debtors are a bit a bit out of hand or you have gotta look after these creditors a bit better whatever it is what if we put the expertise of the accountant of the financial advisor into a system which we have and the health check in your business can be in real time alerts can be given in real time insight can be given in uh, real time as though you've got your actual financial advisor, actual business manager actual accountants they're advising you uh, in real time so that's another application of that it's putting the minds if you like the expertise of an accountant into our system and having it communicated out in language
0: That's good. That's good. I mean, I can relate that uh, to my own uh, business with Guerrilla Technology. You know, typically our first engagement with an organization is they'll come to us with some sort of a challenge, some sort of a situation where they're at, and so we go through and we learn about their business, uh, we understand what their business strategy is, and then we look at all of the bits and pieces of technology that make up their business and come back with yeah, what you're talking about in terms of health, health type health check of right. well, where are you at from a cyber security perspective? You know, are you underpinning your business strategy with an appropriate sort of technology uh, platforms and strategy and so on? So, right. you know, I can imagine this is going to really cut across you know many many areas of uh, of business.
1: Absolutely, and we start we start with where it's simplest. And I think in in the scenario you're describing there, there's a lot of wisdom and practice and and heuristics, you know, rules of thumb born out of your experience that you're bringing to bear. So that, you know, you're always going to be consulting. Well, you're always, those things yeah, are, are always changing, right? They're, they're so always changing. Y- so so you have
0: to update you, uh, whatever the, you know, the, yeah. the, the big, the big right. mind.
1: The mind is what you have. What you, you need to know now, it lives. Yes. <laughs> the, the, but, but think about other scenarios maybe where, where the data is there and structured. Think about a simple, and I'm sure many of your uh, listeners have got experience with something like zero zero accounting package of course right it's beautiful and it's designed uh you know you it's it's designed there to be as simpler uh, as user experience as possible but simple even in that context is around pretty pictures charts distillations when when zero talks about reports or a management report the management report pretty much is still charts and pictures and, and month on month, year on year, that you've, you've got to decipher. There might be a few standard texts there or templated sentences. This has gone up. This has gone down. But it's really just a, 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 a numerate view, a numbers-based view of the business. Yet how many businesses have you been in where the sales guy or the or the the finance guy stands up in front of, of the room and says look you can see on this chart and at this and this and, and the GM or the business owner goes yeah look what am I looking at Terry what yeah. am I looking at here what does this mean what does it really mean tell me well it actually means that sales aren't improving because our cost of sales is going up w- whatever those stories are we've got to use language and we're so used to using it because we're the primate with language you know we're born with language we're born with these amazing supercomputers that, that uh far enough advanced of anything even IBM has come up, come up with in terms of translating data and turning it into communication, only language does that, uh, that we, we, we don't sometimes realise how hard that is to do. It's incredibly hard to do. And, and you, need the, you need context, don't you? Because Finger. giving
0: yes. giving, answers, uh, giving answers to those sorts of questions the answers are going to be pretty flat without that broader context. So you've got to collect that information as well. It's not just the, 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 the raw data that you might see yep. on the screen in 0 You've got to then add that context yep. around it, don't you? Exactly. And so. then you can, then something can be enumerated by a person. Exactly. And I guess if you've got enough data by the technology.
1: Right. So, so here's the trick. Y- you're spot on. This brings us back to what we talked about at the start, AI. Right, we're actually taking real people and embodying their expertise. So, at our own company, at ARIA, when we build, we've got this new product. This I'm not, not spruking it here, well, maybe I'm a bit, but we've got this new product called <laughs> yeah. Recount, right? Yeah. yeah, and Recount is a, a financial advisor for any small business. Now, we've got amazing developers and we've got these phenomenal scientists who've been working on this field of natural language generation from the University of Aberdeen that we're a spin off startup from. Um, but uh, it, they've just built the system right the most important people to make that system make that advice live are the accountants on our payroll are the management accountants that we pay just to sit there and talk to us there's a new guy we've got dimitri in sydney he's he's great and uh, he uh, in our development center in sydney and he he literally sits with our developers who aren't accountants, aren't managers, they're great developers, but they're saying, so when you look at data like this, what's important about that? Dimitri, look at look at this there? Well, I'll be looking for this. Have they traded... It, 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 with this pattern for that long that's important but that's not this bit of signal analysis of in, that's not that might look important but it's not really because that happens at the end of every month up the, the you can see the levels in the bank account go down like that it's a normal trading pattern right so to your point that's context we can only get that from the human mind itself from the expert and we can only get it via talking to them by conversation you can't actually do it statistically a lot of people say, oh, AI, it's machine learning. Yeah, there's, there's that bit. But really, if you want intelligence to convey expertise, you've got to talk. You've got to have a conversation and then turn the heuristics, the rules of thumb, the insights into, that you get from your expert into algorithms. And, and, and that's the trick. So you, you're spot on. It's the people the doctor the nurse the engineer the the accountant the management accountant in these circumstances that make the difference that make the application live so we're really putting people back at the heart of the technology revolution we, you know, without wanting to sound too poetic we're putting people back in the, uh, at the heart of, of ai
0: and it, and it's I guess it's sort of taking systems and, and processes. So you know I think of something that I've defined and worked out within the business, and then I want the, you know other members of the team to to be able to analyze things and come up with similar outcomes and answers and so on. And we'll we'll build a you know a, a process that ensures somebody else can do that. I guess you're you're taking that and putting it inside the the computer, right?
1: Right. But we're doing exactly that. That's spot on. But the the process that we're Mimicking and simulating is one that is phenomenally complex. Um, with language, it, it, it's um, it's really interesting how humans communicate. I mean, I often say about AI, it's amazing they can drive cars, they can they can fly planes, but you ask a computer to go into a strange kitchen and make a cup of tea, can't do it. Can't do it. Simplest thing. It turns out computers are really good at stuff that. The human mind isn't high volume, repetitive, numbers driven tasks. Chess, very good at chess. But can a computer work out how to cross the road while talking on the phone to a friend, while humming a tune that it heard that morning, dodge the traffic, still commit? That multiplicity of things can only come from the wetware inside our skulls that has been built on the basis of language. So, when a computer constructs language, it's complicated. Let me just give you give you one example to illustrate the point. One of our patents uh, that we've just got is about um, referring conditions. So, let's pick anything in your studio here. Say a glass. So, there's a glass. Here is a glass. Beautiful glass of healthy. Very clean, obviously filtered water here. Uh, the glass is half full of water. It's, um, it's a translucent glass. It's a vessel that's got a thick base to make sure it doesn't fall over. Uh, the glass is um, smaller at the top, smaller at the bottom than it is at the top. It's a wide concave hole. Uh, you can lift it and drink out of it. Just in those few sentences, I've referred to that thing we call the glass in four or five different ways. I've called it it. I've called it the. I've called it uh, a glass. I've called it a vessel. I've called it an object. Now that that was done instinctively and natively and naturally by my mind, because I, I want to make sure that when I'm communicating something, I'm uh, I'm describing it in a way that conveys sense. That I don't keep using repeated phrases that make it boring to listen to I want to break stuff up I want to make it dynamic I'm communicating information to get a computer to do that to have a referring expression or to understand to talk about it the glass something else you've got to literally write an if then statement for every possible scenario so first call it this then call it that then call that's the only way traditionally without our software Nlg you, you can do it so mimicking the human mind's approach to language is a problem almost too big, even for the Google processes and Amazon processes, You've got to approach the problem in a different way. We're getting quite nerdy now, and that, that, but that, that different way of doing it is a whole different approach to computational linguistics, is what we call it, to to developing software. And um, uh, yeah, it, it is one of those last links between humanity and silicon and the technology process so how far down the track are you with this we're quite away and people are surprised by how far down we are should take the weather and we're so far that 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 it 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 surprises people because they maybe haven't thought of it in this way they haven't thought of of what they are owed so think about that feeling of what I'm owed I'm owed information pertinent to me i'm important it's cult of the individual recent election america has maybe demonstrated that better than no time in history it's the cult of the i want stuff just for me so let's just talk about the weather right the weather is the most obvious example right i'm going to give you the example in the uk all of us read the weather the weather affects all of us from whether schools sports days cancelled to what shoes do i wear this morning of course yeah and we're used to looking at an app or looking at a newspaper of a bit old-fashioned and reading the weather report or looking at a couple of icons that maybe give us percentages of rain today or describe occluded fronts and so on. Sure. Now, in the UK, where we we, we started a project with the Met Service at ARIA, there were only 60 weather reports written a day for 60 sites. And they... Eight to twelve guys got up every day, men and women, meteorologists, PhDs, very expensive people, and they looked at weather data. Amazing data, amazing models. The British government has spent billions on, trillions, on these weather computers. Why? For the military. But also to give you, the punter, a view of what the weather's going to be like today. And those meteorologists sit down in the morning and they write a weather forecast for London, Bristol, Durham, Exeter, why do they ride 60? Because they can't be bothered riding more. And if you live outside of those areas, you're not going to get a weather forecast Too bad. this year. Too, right? bad. Too bad. And if, if, if you... But they've got the data for all of those areas. Just like the, the RNZ weather forecast here or the Met Office here, you get those weather forecasts. Now, what if what you actually want to know is, when do I put the washing out today? Right? Um, I'm going for this mountain bike from here to here. When's the best time to go? Or... When am I going to have the wind in my face? And when am I going to have it behind me? Or or when's sunset today? So i know on my run, should I take my headlamp? Or I'm going skiing, I'm going... I want, by hokey, a weather forecast for me right where I am now. Should I bring the sheep in from the paddock? I want that now for me for when I want it. Well, the data's there. All the data's there from the billions of dollars of satellites and equipment so what's the missing link between that it knows what you want to ask what's the missing link, the missing link is the expert so now, in the UK in under a second we can do 10,000 weather reports for 10,000 different sites and we can do that every second and we can do it for different scenarios you want to know what the weather is for hiking, for mountaineering for, I've got a trawler going out we will write you a personalised weather report right now for what you want to do as though you've got your own meteorologist sitting in your pocket chatting to you what does it mean terry it means this for you today now that's just the weather something as ubiquitous as that now is served up for you in language in a way that you can understand and we can we can do it in any language and we can have it it, talk to you why shouldn't you have that why shouldn't you have that personalized experience natural language generation gives you that so there's an example of just that change is coming and it's going to be such a subtle one that we might not realize it's it's here or it's different until we think back to a time when it wasn't there, you know. Our kids do this now. Our kids can't imagine, you know, won't imagine that they can just say to Siri or Echo, play me this song by The Beatles or Wolf Mother or whoever it is. Yeah, and and, yeah. and it just plays. You had to what? You had to go and buy something? And then you had to, it only had 22 tracks on it? That makes no sin, right? They don't understand this other price. It'd be same with the weather, same with product descriptions, same with so many of these things thanks to this language-based AI. Sorry, a bit of a rant, but you get the point, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
0: good. Okay, so you're reasonably well down the track. Now, I'm I'm a little bit I'm curious, and I know that we have uh, you know listeners with you know businesses at varying sort of stages. Some are you know looking for funding. Some have got funded. Uh, some are in public companies and uh, you know government universities. There's all sorts of different stages. But um, with uh, with area, uh, the business sort of went through a process of uh, getting listed on um, um, on the AIM and. and on the London Stock Exchange, um, the alternative investment market there. Uh, now I hear sort of next up is maybe a listing in New Zealand. Can you, do you got some insights on uh, on that process?
1: I yeah. know we're taking a bit of a different tack no, now. No, We've heard a okay. bit about the business. I'm, I'm curious to hear yeah, about your funding. Yeah, right. So the um, great story as these ones always are. So imagine a bunch of uh, Kiwis sitting in New Zealand and uh They've made made a few sovereigns, right? They've done well out of a company called Diligent that some of your um, listeners might have heard of, or done well through very successful IT stock, tech stock in in New Zealand, and they're wondering what to do next with with the money they've made. And made uh, a mind Simon Small um, and a guy called Gerald Henry and Brian Henry's brother. They they uh, yeah, they're all sitting around looking. And Simon rings. He's on in the UK and on holidays, Kiwi, and he says, "Look, I've." Um, I've just come across at a family family event, um, this technology at the University of Aberdeen and I think it's interesting. Of course I puffed my chest up and said, I'll tell you I'll tell you if it's interesting or not. I I'm an I'll tell you. And uh, damn it, he was right. So he flew <laughs> we flew to to Aberdeen, the University of Aberdeen, uh, where there was this um little company called Data to Text, and and they're working in the oil industry. there, virtualizing uh, oil field engineers. And um, we'd seen this uh, email from Shell Oil where they'd said, yeah, this, this technology could save us billions every year. And so we did a, um, a tech audit on it. We got the lawyers involved. And we were very excited by it. And we, we made a pitch to the University of Aberdeen that said, we'll give you a bunch of cash. We'll set up a new company. I'll call it ARIA, you've got great scientists, we're good at commercializing IP and tech. And a part of that deal was that we would list on a major exchange within uh, three years. And we, our plan was still on the NZX, because uh, we love the NZX, because uh, we know it, and, and uh, it's a great retail market here in New Zealand, and it's where all our mates are and where all the early investors with, with ARIA were. But uh, we we were fairly well down that road when it became clear that just some of the cross-border... You know, we're a UK company trying to list in New Zealand, and uh, our customers were in the U- UK and US. Uh, so it got a bit hard, and so to uh, meet our obligations to the university, and they were very happy with this, we listed on the London Stock Exchange's AIM Exchange. We didn't do an IPO, we just listed. So we're privately funded, but we listed. And the AIM Exchange is like... Uh, it's kind of like... Fisher Price, my first nasdaq, really I don't hate me saying that <laughs> but it's it really is it's it's sort of it, we, to get on NASdaq obviously which is a secondary exchange in the u s you've got to be market cap of five hundred to a billion. U.S. dollars, and we're no, nowhere near that, and won't be for at least <clears throat> six months. Um, but uh, the uh, well, longer, longer, twelve months. Uh, 12 months. But the, um, the so we list on, on uh, the AIM exchange, always with a view that we wanted to bring it home. We wanted to bring it back to New Zealand because there are there are unique qualities to the New Zealand market and to the New Zealand investing public. That you don't find in the UK. Uh, the AIM exchange is great, but it's run by institutions and it's run by, by nomads, and um, it's been a good exchange for us. But it hasn't been overly kind. It's very hard for us to get our story across. We can't speak directly with shareholders as easily as you can in New Zealand. It, we've thought it was a bit restrictive. So to do our public offering, we've, we've announced to the market in um, the UK that um, we're, we're looking at a, excuse me, an active listing here in New Zealand and Australia. And we're in that process at the moment of going through all of the prerequisites to to do that. The reason we like New Zealand is uh, New Zealand rates very highly um, in terms of corporate governance and transparency it really suits entrepreneurs well and you'll know this you know you go around uh the world and you'll see kiwis in top companies or they've taken their own businesses over there new zealanders have a get up and go and it's so um it, it's so cliched but it's so true you, you talk to folk in the uk and and they're still kind of happy with their lot whereas you grow up and you go to, to mclean's college and and you can take on the world, you know, any college in New Zealand. You, 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 you don't have that fear. So uh, that's what we like about New Zealand. The govern- governance is good here, and Kiwi investors are smart. They get our story. Look how they've supported Zero. Look how they've supported agri-stock. And, and they get what a primary industry is. And this, you know, final point, th- this might surprise some of your listeners. We see our cutting-edge AI technology as a primary industry, we're not trying to be an, an app or an Uber or a Facebook. We see it as a as a fundamental technology that will be used in everything. It'll be ubiquitous. You know, it's like grass. It's it's like wood. You know, we're, we, we want to be an, we want Kiwis to come and invest in Aria because they're investing in a in a software primary industry, something that's going to be used in everything globally. Um, uh, so that that's what we're doing yeah
0: that's fascinating now there's some pretty big players out there within the world of artificial intelligence uh, in the world of sort of you know understanding speech and and uh, creating sort of you know computer generated speech right you've obviously got a lot of confidence that you can uh, you can deliver something to the market that uh, that that stands that really stands out
1: yeah well it's quite different the, the, the as you said there, there's lots of companies even the big ones that uh do speech recognition so when we think AI and computers at the moment a lot of folk think speech recognition that is the machine understanding people so if you say something to Siri or your car or your phone it understands you and says okay but then when it talks back to you it's faking it right when Siri talks back to you it's using pre-prepared statements that someone has written or it's reading a wiki page or it's reading a Google search beautifully and cleverly, but it's just putting words together that a person has already written, whether it's a travel itinerary, product description, review of a restaurant, the time, music. Someone has, has written the words that it's then reading. So that is natural language processing, NLP, right? We're different. We're natural language generation. We're the other side of it. And when we did our early pattern mapping um, with ARIA... The patent maps for natural language generation, that's the the taking data and allowing the machine to tell you what it knows rather than what someone else has pre-prepared or written, hardly anything there. Now, the field is filling up, but it's ARIA's foundational patents and IBM. Now, that's not to say Google and Apple and so on, all the other companies we're talking to and having good relationships with aren't aren't, uh, looking and seeing it but what we're trying to do with ARIA is make sure that um, our patents and and the guys who invented the field Professor Ehud Reiter Dr. Yaji Sherapada and and, uh, Dr. uh, Robert Dale all who work for us and are major shareholders their IP and, and Dr. Robert Dale used to be head of computational linguistics at Microsoft for example he's our CTO chief scientist they they They're building the tools that the Amazons, the Googles, the Facebooks, the Microsofts will use to do the language generation for their AIs. We're already there with Watson and IBM, who most folk will, you know, many of your listeners will, will, will recognize as being a leading AI company. We consult to IBM on natural language generation, that part of artificial intelligence. It's not the machine understanding people, but people understanding the machine because it's talking to them in in a way that they're they're ready to understand yeah
0: interesting and so um why haven't you been acquired yet if it's uh you know there's not a whole lot of players you would kind of think one of these big companies you would be uh, be lining you know there'd be a, a few companies lining up to uh to grab you or is it just too early on for that
1: yeah we're fairly early but why, why should why why should we let them right now i mean we're a public company and that that can happen i mean that's used to be what i did right we'd acquire but we're not setting ourselves up to be an acquisition target um i mean if you look at the arc diligent went on that that worked out very well for those shareholders over a relatively short investment period right sort of seven eight years they, they went from zero to superhero right uh but um that's not really our intent our intent is to create I think there's a technical uh, business term here, c- cash cow. We're we're <laughs> trying to set up um, a system that allows our technology to click the ticket when e- any, e- whenever anybody globally wants a language-based information set. So you want a, st- a written stock report on any stock that closes end of day, click yep we can get you that that's our natural language generation tools delivering that um if you want a product description that's personalized just for you that's us you, you could be getting it from anybody any media company but in inside there's us clicking the ticket and um the you know people say do you want to be the next uber or the next one no we don't we we want to be the biggest company you've never heard of we want to be in the plumbing we want to be intel inside we want to be cisco fabric we want to be the language-based software technology that everyone just uses because the tools are easy to use. We've got a product coming out soon called Articulator, Articulator Lite, that is designed for non-developers. So anyone can take a spreadsheet with stuff in it and generate language out of it that's meaningful, rich, and insightful. Um, uh, That's what we're building. And we might be acquired, but in the meantime, and the pivot's really happening in the next couple of years, we want to be... Highly profitable and and give Kiwi investors in particular one one heck of a ride. That's the mission. Yeah.
0: Well, it's been uh, been a fascinating chat. I would love to uh, love to go on and dive into a few more things, but we're uh, we're really coming to the end of our time right now. I'm just wondering, is there? Is there a way that people, if they're if they're curious about your technology, uh, I'm sure you'll be getting a bit of word out there in terms of your your uh, listing locally, so yeah, you know, people may be interested in that. But is there a way that people can experience your technology today and what it's able to do?
1: Yeah, we would love people to give us a nudge. The, the, so our main site is aria.com, dot uh, So dub aria with two R's, a double R I A dot com, and you can get to our other. Uh, products from their nlgC cloud is um, you know to build your own language apps uh, and then our recount product recount dot com um, we 'd love if you if you 've got a small more medium sized business and you 're a zero user, please join our beta we 've got a, a virtual financial advisor called recount you can see that at Recount.com dot or via the RO website. Thank you for allowing me to uh, promote that um, or just you know drop drop me a note, have a look at our contacts page. My details are all there there 's videos there 's fun points of interaction. We'll put this podcast up. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we love to hear from people with questions, yeah. Great,
0: great. Well, it's been a uh, been fascinating uh, discussion. I uh, hope we can uh, we can have you back maybe on the uh, New Zealand Tech podcast at some stage. We'd love to come back. Yeah, no, it's, been, uh, it's been great. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Cheers, Matt. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology your strategic and proactive IT partner.